Howdy. I'm Kate Cavanaugh, and you're listening to The Groundwork Podcast. This begins an exploration of connectedness, looking at our own nature through the lens of nature. Mind, body, and soil. Hello and welcome to the Groundwork Podcast. I am your host, Kate Cavanaugh, and each week I am so excited to dive into the world of mind, body, and soil together. And this week I have a very special guest joining me on the intro. Yeah, this is a first. Do you want to introduce yourself? (laughs) My name is Josh. I am the husband of the lovely Kate Kavanaugh, who hosts this lovely show. (laughs) So we recorded this episode together as a second wedding anniversary and 14th year of being together gift to ourselves. But when we hit stop recording, I don't know if you can hit stop recording. (laughs) When we stopped recording, we realized that we kind of left a couple of things out as we begin to stew things over. And so we wanted to hop back on here on the intro to just give you a little bit of a lay of the land. We talk about a lot in this episode. We We dive really deep into our relationship. Yeah, we do. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, but we, we it's funny. We talk about fighting in yeah, this episode. And, and then at the end, afterwards, we had a fight, mostly because I was an idiot. But, you know. So after, right at the beginning of the episode, we had had a lot of audio technical difficulties. And I looked at Josh and I was beckoning him closer to the microphone because he was really far away from the mic. And I knew that it was going to shift the audio quality. And I like beckoned him closer. And I did this a couple of times. And then he finally gave me, and I don't, <laughs> I mean, if you're married or you've ever been in a relationship, you'll know this look, the you have to stop. You must stop. I am not doing what you're telling me to do and you're making me angry face. And so I stopped. And then at the end, we hit stop and we listened to it. And sure enough, my voice was too quiet. And uh, it was going to take some, you know, editing to, to fix. And it was my fault for being an idiot and not listening to my wife and, and, you know, looking at her like she didn't know what she was talking about. And I did know what I was talking about. Yeah, we had did. another fight that weekend because he didn't think I knew what I was talking about. That was our theme. Yeah. These weren't big blowout fights. They were just no. like little little disagreements. Yeah. But you guys wanted transparency. And so here we are with <laughs> the the full transparency. Full transparency, yes. So there are a couple of other things we wanted to clarify. And one of them, we talk, oh my gosh, I you guys are going to listen to this and you're going to be like, what are those people talking about? <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Yeah, you're, you're going to think we're nuts. So we wanted to clarify at the beginning we talk about, and it's very close to heart, which I think is really sweet that this is this is like our close to heart thing. We talk about making up this long running story together. Well, this this all centers around a little totem, a little carved animal piece. Yeah. that we have yeah. and that we take places and it has this whole life and universe and, and world that we build stories that we build stories around but we realized as we're talking about it in the in the recording that 
it must sound the way we like avoided it in in some ways and and like didn't want to say specifically what it was in other ways and stuff it we just sounded nuts we just sounded nuts and so there there is this actual totem this animal that we that yeah. we tote around and make up all these stories about. And I, I think someday would love to write a children's book with yeah. the stories that we create around this little animal. Absolutely. Um, be fantastic. Yeah. So we wanted to clarify that. And then there was one other point of clarification. We get into, we get into, we get into some, some tougher stuff in, in a relationship. And, and at one point, you know, I talk about forgiveness and, and how, and just kind of, talk about you know it's in regards to cheating i think yeah yeah and and i talk about you know that forgiveness and and then we just kind of move on and and i wanted to kind of clarify that that forgiveness isn't just a one and done kind of thing it's it's something that you have to choose and you have to choose it regularly and consistently and and you know it becomes less and less often and less and less you know big or or you know painful or, or whatever as time goes as on. time goes on but it is something that you it doesn't just happen it it's something that that you have to continue to choose and you can you have to continue to choose your relationship and choose that forgiveness over you know letting something fester and and hurt um in a way that that could potentially ruin your relationship yeah yeah can i ask you a question sure do you still find yourself needing to forgive me for cheating no. Yeah. No, not anymore. Yeah. I don't really ever think about it anymore. Yeah, I don't really think about it either. I mean, we did for this episode. Yeah. It was, you know, we good to kind of and, yeah. yeah. It was good to it was good to go down go down the darker corners of our relationship as well as the incredibly bright ones. Yeah. I think this is really important when we're talking about real relationships. Yeah. And, you know, here we are doing the intro and my face is really close to the microphone because. <laughs> because I'm right. Because she was right. Because I'm right. You were right. Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think that's I think that's all of our notes about the show where yeah. I am really grateful for all of the genuine questions that everyone sent in and for opening this curiosity with us. I think having real authentic human down to earth relationships to sort of peel back the curtain on. I mean, we can't, we can't really see inside someone's relationship, but to peel back the curtain and to really talk about it is important because we're all out there navigating what it means to be in relationship. Yeah. I mean, and that's a big part of everybody's life. Yeah. And it's not perfect, but it's so, so good. Yeah. So yeah, good. so good. Yeah. Little bit of accounting before we dive into this week's episode, and I'll keep it really brief. But I wanted to let you know that going forward, we're going to begin to have some little shifts on the episode. There's going to be a little bit of advertisement. And I know that this hasn't been the case up until this point. And so I want to kind of prime everyone as we start to roll into this. And what I want to say here is that producing this podcast has 
been the biggest joy that I ever could have imagined. Uh, it has filled my life with purpose and a desire to work and play and research that has been unparalleled. And I feel like I'm on this track, but I feel like I'm on this track with all of you. And I know that there's some resistance when things begin to change. So we're just going to ease into this change together. And my promise to you before we dive into this is that I will always be completely transparent, that I will always work with brands that make my heart sing, that I use in my everyday life, and that add value to my life. And you can you can just skip over ads or you can listen to them, but what this offers is if you're interested in any of these brands, if you feel like you would use some of the exciting things we have on board, there's an aspect of reciprocity. And I'm trying to pick everyday items that are, are things that we use in our every single day. And so the reciprocity here is if this would add value to your life and you purchase it through my link, it helps support this podcast. And so that's where that kind of reciprocal relationship, just like what happens inside the soil, can occur right here. And I won't give you any today. I just wanted to give you a little heads up because we're... We're, we're buds on here. And so that's going to come up. And in the interim, there is an amazing ghee that I use every day. And there's a 15% off discount code for you in the notes. I won't get into it more here, except that I love my farm true ghee. And my it's husband fantastic. can attest to that. I also, I mean, I use it on my face. On my Yeah, you call it my beauty ghee. Yeah. I have my beauty jar. Yeah, and it, jar it, in it the bathroom, exists in the bathroom. And, bathroom, and, and then, then we have all of cooking, our jars. Yeah. Yeah. All of the cooking jars. And, and I, I put it on my face too. And we've used it for four or five years. Yeah. And they source from incredible farms here in the Northeast that only do 100% grass-fed dairy. They're incredible women. You can listen to them on an earlier episode that I will link. And that's yeah. all I'm going to say about that. Shall we just, shall you and I dive just, into this episode? Let's dive right in. Okay. So we've been planning this podcast for forever and we're just incurring a lot of different audio challenges, <laughs> which in the day of technical difficulties. Yeah. And we really wanted to be able to record this in a space where we could be together. I did not expect to be sitting about 10 inches from your face and being, uh, being deeply into each other, guys. Yes. And we talked about on the, the first recording that went a little bit south that I... I struggle to make eye contact and some of the, just some of what is up for me. And so this is very, an intense way to record a, a podcast with yeah. someone. I mean, the only creature that you send tend to, you know, gaze le- deeply into their eyes for quite this amount of time is our, our dog, Tom, who just, he loves, we call it eye gazing. He he, he loves, loves to gaze. Gaze, and he will do it for as long as as you will allow. I mean, like he just he just pulls it uh. and stare deeply in your eyes. It's, you know, there's not a whole lot going on upstairs, so <laughs> so I don't know what he gets out of it. 
and it's different. It's different to look deep into an animal's eyes than it is a human's eyes. And I think that there's a purity with animal eyes. There's no judgments, no thoughts. It's just pure love. And when you look into humans' eyes, I think there are a lot of reflections and mirrors that can be difficult to sit with. Sure. And it's something that I've always struggled with. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so far, talking to the same mic. So we've been planning this podcast for a while and it kept getting waylaid. And usually by work. Usually by work. There's been a lot of work this fall. This has been this has been a year of work that you and I decided that we would dedicate to. This is just going to be a year of grinding and it's going to yeah. be tough, but there's going to be payoffs down the road. Yeah. And so we've just been in the thick of it, but it was really important for us to do this. And it's kind of evolved as we went on. And so the format of this podcast is going to be our original idea, which is Josh and I want to talk about play. We want to do a deep dive into play and relationship. And then I, on a whim, I put a question box up on Instagram and received more questions than I've ever received using that question sticker. And we were really struck that there aren't a lot of real life, quote unquote, normal authentic relationships that dive into some of the nitty gritty and the highs and lows of relationships. There's podcasts with relationship experts. There's sort of one-sided things. You don't always hear two people that have been together 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were going to record this earlier, but as, as timing would have it, we're actually recording this two days before our second wedding anniversary, right around 14 years together. And so this kind of just became a gift to ourselves, a little anniversary gift to explore the highs and lows of our relationship, to explore play and to answer some of your questions in a way that was real and just where we were. Yeah. He shared a few of them with me as they started coming in. And then I think you, you, this uh, line above them that will be a surprise. Yeah. The contents. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, I think it'll be fun. I didn't think about them too much. I was really careful not to consider them. Yeah. And, the the lows in our relationship, however, and I did want to say this, that we embarked on talking about this consensually. So we're going to talk about some pretty low lows, but we decided on that prior. And so that is not going to come as a surprise to either no, party. We, we know we know what we're, what we're, what we're getting, into. getting into. Yeah. Yeah. You want to dive into play? Yeah. So... Yeah. so Play is a really important component of our relationship. It is. We do it. We do it a lot. We do it pretty much every day in some way, shape, or form. It's not planned. No. I mean, it's, it's spontaneous. It's pretty, pretty spontaneous. I mean, there's, you know, one of the things that we love to do, and when this came up, it was during one of our annual, um, one of our multiple usual um, annual trips to uh, Corn Maze, which is one of our favorite things to do in the fall. We've done corn mazes for many years. Many we years. just can't get enough of it. No. And our like when we do them, we always do them with a lot of sort of intentional imaginary like 
interaction. Like we, we were very intentional about using our imaginations and, and about really sort of losing ourselves in, in the experience. Um, this one was spectacular though. I think this was, this was a really top shelf example of us using our imaginations to scare one another mixed with some physical play, Mm -hmm. but creating a story that we were both sharing a scary story that we were both sharing that had all these different elements that we were sort of narrating and, and playing around with. Funny enough, we, we had some shared imaginary things that like in the story that, that, you know, where we both came up with like, like glowing eyes, we both came up with the same color that the eyes were. Yeah. Which was really fun. So it was sort of shared in an external space and it really struck us that, we're not encouraged to play as adults. And as we were talking about this, the only space that we could both come up with. So, I mean, I feel like when we talk about play as adults, one of the first things that comes up is something like board games or sports, sports, video games, which are these spaces where you're not using your imagination, but imaginative play is really left in the realms of childhood. I think it's encouraged for adults to play with children, Mm -hmm. perhaps in that imaginative way, but not with one another. Right. The only way that we could come up with when, you know, we asked the question, where do adults, where are adults encouraged to use their imagination? Where do adults, you know, really... Or where is it discussed? Where is it discussed? And the only thing that we could come up with was in sexual role play. Yeah. That's kind of the only interpersonal imaginary play that that we could come up with that is encouraged or that is thought of as as acceptable or... Or Or is talked about for adults using their imagination. And I was really struck and and kind of saddened by that in some ways. And I think think we're going to talk a little bit about sex later in this podcast. But I mean, sexual role play isn't really our gig. That's not to say that it can't be yours. Um, And so it was really interesting to us. And one of the things that I thought about, you know, we're... As children, when we play, we create these entire worlds that are very real to us. And some of that has to do with the brainwave state that children are in. So infants are usually in a delta wave state from ages zero to two. And then from two to seven, children transition to a theta wave state where the worlds that they are creating with their imagination are fluid and continuous with their outside reality. And this is really the space in childhood where plasticity is the strongest and where (laughs) I just looked at Josh in the eyes and it threw off my whole train of thought, um, (laughs) continuous. And they're in this state of deep plasticity. This is where so much of our subconscious beliefs get set because we can't necessarily tease out reality from fantasy in a really positive way. And I mean, this is the age of imaginary friends. And so it's a beautiful thing as an adult, if you can get back into that imaginative play space, 
with one another. I think you're accessing plasticity. You're accessing a cascade of really amazing bonding hormones like oxytocin. And you're building camaraderie and silliness and love outside of the tough and difficult and trying every day of adult life. Yeah, I mean, when, if you think about in a relationship, one of, I mean, as you're in a relationship, we all experience, you know, the highs and lows, right? But on the day to day aspect of things, being able to access imaginary fun, having fun together in in this sort of open-ended way, mm. right? Like it doesn't have boundaries. There doesn't have to have a start or a finish. It's just sort of an ongoing enjoyment of a shared experience that, you know, it's kind of like an inside joke or, you know, like mm-hmm. it's an, it shared between just the two of you and not really anybody else would really understand it. It's yeah. not really something you can explain to anybody else. But it does form a bond on another layer and another level that, you know, I mean, it's, it sort of helps deepen that the friendship bond between the two. I mean, when you had friends as a child and you guys, you know, and you, you know, you and your friends had imaginary played imaginary things together, you know, it it bonds you in a different way. It's a shared experience Mm -hmm. um, that you're sort of creating together, which I think, I think that's kind of, a similar sort of situation when you, when you really open yourself up to it, you really yeah. experience it and enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that when you said that, it reminds me that it's always good to have these, these sort of shared goals and shared spaces. And I think that this can become a literal incubator or playground for tackling harder things sure. within your relationship. And yeah. you already have built this foundation in play and in camaraderie. Yeah. I think it just broadens your foundation and your your base of interaction with another person. You know, I mean, in a, I mean, with us in our relationship, we interact together more than than others. Yes, um, <laughs> we work together and also play together. We aren't the couple who watches different things on different TVs and you know, no. sports yeah. in the room and you're watching something else in yeah. another room. Like that's live together, exercise together, yeah. farm together. Uh, we're together a lot and we enjoy that aspect of our relationship. Yeah. I think that's something that we both enjoy. It's not for everyone, but it is for us. Yeah. We talked some about exploring the specific ways that we play and we decided that there were some boundaries that our our play is actually some of the stories that we've crafted together are very intimate and precious to us, but we still wanted to share a lens of how you might approach play together as a couple without sort of giving away some of these just... They're, they're just really close to heart yeah. stories. Right. Um, and the first thing, I think that let's start with story. Yeah. And I love this because this has really formed the basis of how we move through this idea of play together is that we have this shared and ongoing story narrative. And there are characters and sort of totems within that. There's even some some real life totems that yeah. have been brought into this story that we've decided not to not to disclose because yeah. they're 
they're precious to us. But we're constantly evolving this story and kind of telling each other different side adventures or characters around it. It's a shared, it's just a shared storyline that, that is constantly evolving and constantly being added to by, by each of us. And we've been doing it for long enough that, I mean, you're, we've been doing this yeah. for like this, this story and this little universe that we've created has been going on for seven, eight years. Yeah, seven, eight years. And it's because of the, the shared creative aspect of it. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, we both know and understand the characters and the characters have kind of taken on a life of their own in yes. our, in our minds. So like, the characters have their own senses of humor that, and they'll, you know, say things, say things or yeah. do things when, you know, from, from either of our, our perspectives that, <laughs> that surprise us when we say them, <laughs> and, you know, like it's, it's just, it, it's a full immersive sort of aspect of things that I think is part of, I mean, like it keeps us young and, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't purposely go into it. There's not a container for this. It'll just leak into everyday life. And I don't, do you think we sound crazy? Probably. Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But that's, I mean, it's our... It's been a big part of play. And yeah. I really do think that using our imagination in this way to create this story, we've talked about writing a, a sort of children's book yeah. around it. I mean, you know, the interesting... The interesting thing about it is, you know, when we talk about like adults who use their imaginations, the the primary adults who use their imaginations are writers. Mm, that's a ooh, there we go. Whether that's screenwriters or yes, know, writers of books, writers. You of use your imagination yeah. when you're building worlds as you're reading. Yeah, yeah, and we just have a shared, ongoing writing experience, basically, um, where we both, you know. There are characters, you know, like, and we've brought characters into it and characters have come in and left and, you know, it's, it's just sort of an ongoing narrative. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it sounds really strange. Yes, but it's been a really big, it, it, yeah, it must sound incredibly strange from the outside, but it's been such a precious thing to our relationship and yeah. to play and mm-hmm. and you know in the instance where we were talking about the corn maze the story you know began to take on like a spooky tone within the corn maze and there were these characters and they were there in the corn maze with us mm-hmm. and that's when we had this sort of shared <laughs> i don't know imagination well, hallucination yeah. Yeah. where we were actually crafting things i think in the exact same way which tells you just from a perspective of that energetic field that I think that we can really connect and mm-hmm. touch minds in a way within this space of play yeah. where, where you're, you're sharing, you're sharing this vision and creation or hallucination or crazy person stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's when you think about having, when you think about somebody writing a book or, or anything like that, they have your, your characters and you have to build a backstory for them. And, and this is just a situation where we've done that together, both of us, you know, building on that backstory, you know, not with intention or, or, uh, any kind of idea of where it was going. Nope. Just sort of no goals. No it's goals. just free form. Yeah. Just free form. Yeah. And I think within that, so 
Do you think that sort of covers storytelling and oh, how we've done that? We have some, and we have some real life totems that we've brought in, some mm-hmm. characters that have personalities and kind of represent this idea of play. Yeah, and that's that. It's a big part. It, it leaks into a lot of other things. Yeah. There's other ways that we play. I mean, we, yeah. You know, and so this is we do a lot of physical play. We do a lot um, of play. and we do a lot of physical play again, almost from a space of being childlike. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of we do a lot of sword play while we're fencing <laughs> with yes. with um with the, the fiberglass the rods. Fence posts. Yes, a lot of sword, sword play, fence. and we've thrown javelin mm-hmm. using sticks. Mm, Rotting logs. Rotting logs. Also thrown discus with rocks and things like that. Yeah, just some really goofy stuff. Chasing, pouncing. Yeah, pretending to be little animals. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we really enjoy doing is is sort of accessing a more animal spirit and getting into that with one another. Yeah. I mean, the key is really leaning into it and mm-hmm. and not feeling self-conscious. Yes. I was no, going to say, this is actually, self-conscious. this not. is actually a space to get really vulnerable and it's yeah. really content. I don't even think about it in playing with you. I don't mm-hmm. think about myself. There's no ego in it. It's very pure. Yeah. And I think it's also being free. And I'm really, I'm really appreciative to you for this, that, I had a pretty serious childhood and things felt really serious. Um, my mom and I played, but it was serious and I was, it was just me Mm -hmm. and you've allowed me to access that little kid and to nourish that little kid in a way that I think has brought me greater healing than I could ever really communicate. Mm. And I'm, I'm really grateful. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Really. Really grateful to you for that. Yeah, of course. Happy. To, I don't know what in my life. I mean, maybe it's you know having younger siblings that like were you know four and eight years younger than me that helped with that, or I don't know. But I'm happy that that I could facilitate that for you. Yeah, it's really it's really a gift. It's a gift to get to nourish that little version of Kate that didn't maybe get the childhood that she deserved. Sure. You know, I, I don't know what the saying is, but you know, like kids can't wait to grow up. And then when you grow up, you, you know, you look back, you look at kids who want to grow up and you're like, man, you don't know how, good, how, how nice you got. <laughs> um, I think that's part of cultivating that and, and living in that. I mean, staying young in those ways, it's not, constant it's not all the time it's but it's very very important yes um and it brings so much joy and release of tension honestly mm, yes it really helps relieve tension yes and for you know we run a couple of businesses and uh, you know there's plenty of opportunity of for tension <laughs> in our our life and and it's a good mm. physical way of releasing tension and emotional and you yeah know, all of those things i really like that it is it's like a release valve mm-hmm. and if you can build it into your life it just 
finds you when you need it the most. Again, this is never something that we plan. Sort of extensions of this story will just sort of bubble up or Mm -hmm. you'll initiate a pouncing session or I will or... I don't know. I'll do a little ballet pirouette across the kitchen to you. And (laughs) all of a sudden we're, you know, you're the mouse king and I'm a ballerina. I don't know. Just pure silly stuff. And I think, I think we wanted to talk about this, even though it feels intimate and it feels a little bit crazy because it's been, I think one of the most beautiful things we've created Mm -hmm. in our relationship together and, and that it's, helped us mm. in tough times oh, yeah. in ways that I, I think I'm honestly just considering now, as you said, that it was a release valve. And as I think about when it comes up the most and that oftentimes when we're really stressed, I find us playing and leaning on story more than in other times. Sure. And I think yeah. that's coming up as a, as a, a beautiful coping mechanism, right? A really positive coping mechanism to bond us. Because sometimes when you're in the thick of it together, if you own businesses together, if you yeah. farm together, or even if you're just living this human existence as adults together, <laughs> it gets, it gets tough. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And having something like that that is a relief valve that you can do together. I mean, I I think this is part of building and maintaining a healthy relationship. Yeah. um, Is continuing to find new things that you have in common together. Right. Mm, I like that. Um, And, and in this, it's, you're creating something together that's ongoing and and doesn't have an end point. So it's something you can regularly come back to and connect over. Yeah. I don't know if we're closing the chapter on play, but you said something I kind of want to pick at, which is finding new things to have in common together. Yeah. Do you want to open that chapter? You think that's okay? Yeah. Tell me about that. Because we've evolved together. And and maybe, maybe I'll say this at the outset. When Josh and I met... Can I share your age? Yeah. <laughs> when Josh and I met, I was 20 and you were 31. And I didn't think we would ever have a, a shot in hell at having a relationship together for the long term. But at the same time, felt inexorably that I had just met the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And I told you that Many times. Many times. Many times. I told you many times that how are we ever going to make this work? Because the person that I was at 20, whoever I was going to be at 30 would be a completely different person. Yeah. And, you know, who I was at 31 is not who I am or who I was at 41. And we grew together and we evolved evolved together and, and... in a lot of ways, we just like as we developed interests, we would share them with each other. And, mm. um, I think part of what has really helped uh, our relationship hold through all this time is is that we've both really sort of intentionally been interested in the other's interests. Yes, and wanted to learn about them and, and participate. Participate help. Yeah. I love helping in the wood shop. 
you've been, I can't tell everybody listening how indispensable Josh has been in this podcast process. He, <laughs> he might be a silent player most of the time, but it would not happen without him. Yes, we, we embark on endeavors together and we teach each other things constantly and we're, we're constantly learning from each other, which I think is a big part of our relationship. We mm. really Learning together. Learning together. We've learned how to farm together. Mm -hmm. Learned a lot about horses together. Mm -hmm. Dogs. Yeah. A lot about animals. But we've also learned different skills. I mean, we learned how to butcher together. Yeah, we did. You've taught me a lot about woodworking. Yeah. Using tools. And you've taught me untold amounts about a wide variety of <laughs> subjects you you are a, a, a tiny uh, encyclopedia over here you know just ask ask kate a, a question and you get an answer oftentimes in great detail um, <laughs> which is fantastic like i'm not that, like not poking fun or anything like it's um you know she her your memory is amazing yeah which has its which has its faults in a relationship. Sure. Yep. We've talked a lot about That's this. True. My my ironclad memory can kind of make for some I don't know, some sticky situations yeah. in relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, often. Yeah. I mean, Kate will you'll remember some things that I said like years ago. Um and I'm like, yeah, I was 24. I was 35. Let's not, let's not hold me to what I said when I was 35 about something. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's... Yeah. This is one of those spaces where I feel like sometimes our strengths become weaknesses in relationship and sometimes our weaknesses become strengths. And sometimes I think my memory in terms of the relationship is a weakness that I often remember things you said or things you were going to do or all of these things with an acuteness that you don't share. And so it changes my expectations of the landscape of our relationship. Yeah, it can. I mean, it can, it can circle around and, and feel, uh, like I said, don't hold me to something that I said when I was 35. Yeah. You know? But we've worked on that. And I think that this has... I don't know. Should we shift into some highs and lows? Sure. Yeah. Shift into some highs and lows. I think this is actually a really good space to talk about fighting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fighting. That's... Um, our fighting has evolved quite a bit over... Oh, my gosh. Our fighting has evolved so much. I would not recognize us. 10 years ago. No, no, not at all. And I think this fell into several questions. There were several questions about fights, whether or not we fought and how that was. And so we'll just kind of cover fighting because it yeah, started. I think, I think we'll cover. I mean, I think covering fighting is an important, is an important part of, that's an important part of relationship and high jambos, right? Yeah. Most, most people within their relationships are going to get into fights, into disagreements. And I think if you're not fighting, at least sometimes, then someone is, uh, being too, is capitulating too much or, or is giving, yes. giving up too much, right? Like, like someone is just, just keeping the peace because it's too 
different people. You aren't the same person and you will have different ideas, different thoughts, different, you know, uh, feelings about how something should be or how something should go or what happened or, you know, whatever. And so like, it, it's just not possible to put two people in a house together all the time and not have disagreements. I would add to that too, that I think the majority of our fights actually happen when we're both under a lot of pressure over pretty small things. It's less of us coming to terms with two different sides of an idea or how something should be done and more a different sort of release valve. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you're, you're probably right. Because I don't feel like we have a lot of meaningful arguments in that we're really fighting about something that we disagree or have different ideas about and are trying to meet in the middle. We just kind of have these strange little friction fights that arise when we're both feeling raw and... And, you know, somebody says something that the other one, you know... And the other one gets hot a little fast. Yep. But it used to be that we would have knockout, drag out, blow out fights where we were really Oh man, screaming, slamming doors, all sorts of things. Like Yes. Yeah. And not pretty. No, not pretty at all. And we've talked about, and I think that this is really true, that we often pick partners whose childhood wounds fit into our childhood wounds like a puzzle piece. Yeah. And we in that puzzle piece are able to just poke Oh, yeah. That other person immediately. Yeah, and you know, you know what those are. I mean, that's... Yeah, and I think you're doing it subconsciously. It's not even on purpose. And all of a sudden, you're just playing into the ways that you were hurt or didn't get enough or got too much of as a child. And then you're coming from those wounds back at the other person. And all of a sudden, that fight has you know, that was three feet deep has become 60 feet deep because of the, the childhood baggage that we're bringing into it. Yeah. And so I think within that, some of our process, because our fights are pretty tame and, and quick. Nowadays they're, they're pretty quick. They, they did not start out that way. No, they Um, go on for a long time. There's all, there was a lot of intentional work done between the two of us. Both of us did a lot of, of intentional work on, you know, on how we fought and, you know, what triggered the other person and really like getting to where you think before you do something. And then, um, it's a big one. That's, that's the biggest, that's, I mean, not allowing yourself to just react and getting, getting a hold of that aspect of things is really, really key. And to do this, I think another thing I'll note is that oftentimes you can't have these conversations within the fight themselves. You have to go back after the fight the next day in sort of a neutral zone and say, when you did X, it really made me feel X. And sometimes if you can add that level of introspection, and I think it was kind of coming from this thing that happened to me. Mm-hmm. when I was sure. yeah. a child. Yeah. And so if you can, if you can kind of layer that in, then all of a sudden the other person is able to gain a sense of understanding. Oh, I can totally, from what you've told me about your childhood, I can really see how that would have elicited that 
feeling that response. And then the other key part of it is that you can't expect your partner to change on a dime. Nope. That is definitely on land. And we both would, you know, bring up, well, you did that again. And it's like, yeah. And it takes six months, a year, year and a half. Yeah. Before when you, when you open your mouth to say that thing that really like pisses the other person off and you go, maybe I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Yeah. That's right. That really like that phrase really upsets them. And so I'm not going to say that. And, but you say it six or seven more times. Cause before. it's habit. It's habitual. It's, yeah. Cause it's, it's just like, boom, it just pops out. Right. And so there is this, this aspect of, from both parties of giving some leeway to the other mm-hmm. to not have to change on a dime. And also understanding like in your hurt that they aren't hitting that same raw spot on purpose. It's not intentional. It's habits. They're trying their they're best. Trying their hopefully. Best. I mean, obviously yeah, this hopefully, is, obviously. we're talking about all of this in good faith. Yeah. But you know, as long as there is good faith and, you know, and sometimes it's like, you know, it's kind of one of those, the first step is you say it and then you go, Oh shit. And, you know, <laughs> and then, and then you maybe go, I know you said I shouldn't say that. I know I said it. I'm sorry. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. When you can have, even in the moment, even in the moment, you've already said it, you know, cats out the door and you're like, Ooh, I want to reel that back and vocalizing. I want to reel that back. I'm sorry. I know you said you don't like it when I say that. And I'm sorry. I didn't say it, but let me take it back. And it shows the other person that, Hey, I am, I'm over here. I'm trying. I am thinking about it. I am trying. It's, you know, cause five fights ago, you didn't, you know, you said it and you didn't even think about it. And then, you know, like it elicited the terrible response. And then that just, yeah. you know, resulted in an even worse fight and so forth and so on. Right. But, you know, step one really is like recognizing that yourself, that you said the thing that they asked you not to say. And step two is then telling them that you recognize that and that you recognize that you did it and you're sorry, you know that you said that you wouldn't do that again, but, and you just did it again. And, you know, but then their thing is recognizing that you just did that and accepting that apology yes. and allowing that to go by. And then, yes. you know, you have to accept. The road, maybe they will go to, go to say it and they go, oh, nope, not going to do it. Right. Yeah. And then. And we, we were trying to come up with an example of this and we remembered that recently there was something and it's now so long gone. I don't know. Where it was. It was. We've been working on it like the last year and a half, uh-huh. and it was this great example. And I, neither of us can even come up with what it was, no. which is great. It's I'm glad great. we're not hanging yeah. on to it. Where it's, it's not, it's, it's done. And you know, one thing I'll say is some of this takes longer than others, and some of it is you're actively. I have something that I do in fights where I want to put a door between you and me, where I want to shut a door and and talk through the door while I hide and it has been really hard to break that habit of just how, Oh, I mean, even talking about it right now, <laughs> kind of welling up Yeah, how intensely I feel. I feel that. 
And so that's something that's still in process that we're still, and I do it less and I do it for shorter amounts of time. And it's good to mark, okay, progress is being made, even if it's a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, my part, I'm recognizing that progress is being made and that it's, you know, it, letting it go a bit, not getting so angry about it, but you see it really angry about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's playing into each other's hands, right? Like when we talk about like playing into wounding, like that's a big one that, right. This is coming from my childhood wounding, but it it plays (laughs) into your, your wounding and it just kind of creates this tailspin. Mm -hmm. And I think that's often what's happening within fights. And so the more consciousness that you can bring to it. And I think too, one thing that we've worked really hard on that I know that I really wanted is that you, you say back to me how it feels. Like, I know it made you feel X. Sure. Because that's something that I really struggle with. I want to be seen in how I'm feeling, not just, I'm sorry that I did that. Right. I'm sorry that I did that because I know it made you feel like this, whatever way that might actually have been the thing that we were fighting over that now is just continuous. I mean, I'm, I'm still working on, you know, like the, you just want to be seen. Yes. And I just want to get out of the fight. But this is, this is the feminine masculine dynamic. And I think that this is worth noting for, you know, and again, if you're not familiar with this work, it's not based on gender. It's just based on the feminine and masculine archetype that we all have within us. And usually one is dominant in one person. And then Josh is the dominant masculine being in our relationship. And I'm the dominant feminine being in it. within that. I just want to be seen for all of the flowing and wonderful feminine that I am. And Josh wants freedom. Yeah. And other things as well. I mean, he is grounding and he is a beautiful container in our relationship. But I think that in fights that comes out, I just want to be seen. And Josh is like, I just want to be, I just want to be out of this fight. Yeah. What do I have to say to, to have this be over? I've said this thing. That's yeah. I've said this thing. That's not it. I've said this thing. That's, you know, and, and I circle the drain. It takes me longer to come out of fights, which is also something I'm working on. It takes me a little bit longer to find the exit. Mm-hmm. And you you feel really comfortable like, okay, you know, we can just find the exit here. And I'm like, yeah. no, I think I think we need to re-examine this for the umpteenth time. Right. I mean, I think some of that is my ability to compartmentalize. Mm, I don't have that at all. No compartments. It's all just one big messy closet. Right. Yeah. I think this is really important though. And I was thinking about, we have some friends that talked about 50-50 blame, just assuming that each person has a 50% responsibility for whatever has has befallen the situation. And I think that's really interesting because I usually think that, that there is, that we don't, necessarily do that within our relationship. I've thought a lot about it since they mentioned it, but I think that's a good lens to, to apply. A good lens to apply. What is your, what's your responsibility in this? What's your hand in this? Yeah. Because nothing, you know, your partner doesn't respond in a way in a vacuum. Yeah. Nothing happens. That's what I was going to say. You, You didn't 
handle something perfectly. Nope. And off, as often as not, you know what you did. Many times you did it on purpose or you did it subconsciously, but also somewhat consciously, mm-hmm. like, you know, you did it to push buttons or to, yeah, to hurt the other person, you know, like yeah. you felt wounded, you felt hurt and you wanted to hurt them back. Right. Like that's, hurt people hurt people. um you know and and as a as a partner you have to do away with the seven-year-old boy syndrome of wanting to hurt the other person worse yes absolutely like that that phase that that young boys go through where you know you if you accidentally hit them with a stick they turn around and try to find the biggest stick they can find and whack you over the head with it, right? Like, like it's, it's... We have to grow up. And then more. Yeah, you have to grow up. Yeah, you, you know. And I think one thing we're really good at is that after conversation, whether it's the next day or a couple really hours later. You're really, really good at starting that. You always come back the next day and apologize again and... Yeah. Something or... I like to come back the next day and in all clarity be, I'm sorry. I really see that this is this is my part in things and this is where it went wrong and I I see exactly how it unfolded and and I also like to make sure that within that I acknowledge Josh for what I saw him do right not wrong like I really saw that you were trying to sure. get me to yeah come yeah. out of the door or that you pause before you said that thing or you took it back and and to just see the other person for something they did right instead of something they did wrong that's that's a good point that's a really good point yeah what just popped into my head is is the what you're taught in sort of management circles right which it applies to i mean it's it's just relationship it's just human relationship humans like to be told that they've done something right or that they've done something well and you know so even in those conversations after the fact where you're like hey this thing that you did really hurt me also having in there but this thing i recognize was really good i recognize that you were trying here or that you really um put effort into this or yeah something like that that's that's an important part of things yeah i think that's a it's a good recipe for fighting i think should, is this a good place for mystery science therapy? Oh my god, I love mystery science therapy. So this other thing that Josh and I <laughs> do that I think really adds a foundation, we were talking about it the other day, foundation of values, we call it mystery science therapy. And when we're watching a movie or a TV show or reading about a story in the news, we'll mystery science therapy it and we'll we'll take it at face value. You know, if we're reading a news story, like we recently talked about uh, Tom Brady and Giselle are getting a, a divorce yeah. and who knows what goes on behind closed doors. And Josh and I know as well as anyone that it's far more complex than yeah. we're about to play it out as. And just for clarification, for those of you who don't know, Mystery Science Theater was mm. a show. Um, I don't know when it was the 90s sometime where it was basically these guys, this guy and some others like characters would, would sit in a silhouette in the movie theater. And then, then there'd be a movie that would be playing. It was usually an older movie and they would just stream of consciousness comment on it. And usually it was very funny. It, you know, it was just very like poignant, really like observations on what's going on. 
Yeah. And how ridiculous the effects were or how ridiculous the dialogue was or whatever, right? And so we do that, but with therapy, so it's like, <laughs> you know, we we saw something about Tom Brady and, and Giselle and we were talking about it and we were just like... So we took it at face value yeah. that, let's say, right, and again, it's far more complex than this, that they are getting a divorce because Tom decided that he had to play football. One more season. One, two more seasons, whatever, whatever it, it was. Yeah. And, and she had enough. And she had had enough. And we talked about what would be your response in that situation, like in doing something you love for another couple of years. And your partner says, no, I I don't want you to get hurt. I want you at home more, whatever that is. And we kind of explored what values we brought to the table with it and Mm -hmm. where both of us would come from. And one of the things I love about mystery science therapy is that it gives you this space to sort of, in some ways, role play, but play out scenarios and develop some of those shared values and some of the ways that you would approach different conflict resolution situations. Yeah. And it also gives you insight into your partner's mind and what the, Mm. like how they think about some things, right? Like how they might think about a scenario or a situation or, or if something unfolded that, you know, I mean, you know, whatever that is, how it sort of goes into their brain and how their brain responds to it. Yeah. About it, I right? like that. I just because, pictured like a little machine, you know, yeah. like it goes into the machine <laughs> yeah. and then it comes like, and it comes out as this emotion. Yeah. Right. Because different things affect different people in different ways and different people have different feelings about different things that would happen in a relationship, right? And this, you know, the the mystery science therapy kind of gives us that sort of pre Hmm. look into how something might affect our partner. Yeah. I really like that. Should we out ourselves on our favorite thing to mystery science therapy? Yeah. yeah. You want want to out ourselves? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to, we're going to really, we're really going (laughs) to, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, um, on Hulu, there is a there is a TV show, TV show called Tell Me Lies. Yeah, and it is you guys. It is not it is good. Crap TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am not proud to say that we watched this, but we could not stop. We stop, and we really like. We'll pause it in the middle and like have a discussion about what's going on between. Yeah, it's just a bunch of uh, hurt young college age kids hurting one another. (laughs) But the production value is very high. Um, There's lots of music from the from 2007 era. And it's complete trash. And I'm not proud of it. But we have had more fun and more conversation watching that TV show than than I could ever say. So I think it's worth it. And it's our favorite thing to mystery science therapy. And I think this is even funnier. You and I have not done couples therapy. No, we haven't done couples therapy. therapy. We would. Yeah. We would if it felt right. It hasn't felt right, but it just hasn't felt right. It hasn't felt right. Right. Okay, fighting. Should we cover the another low? What do you think? Or do we have more on fighting? No, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered fighting. I think we covered fighting pretty well. Uh, you want to cover the big low that we think is really important to cover, but it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty vulnerable to cover. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. It's, it was a dark, dark period in period our relationship. Our, our relationship. Yeah. You know, about four, five years into running Western daughters, 
maybe like year seven of our relationship. I'm not sure. I don't need to count. Things at Western Daughters were really tough. Really tough. Uh, There were weeks we didn't know if we were going to make payroll. Business was really bad. We were drinking heavily. A lot. Some really toxic people in our lives. Yeah. There's some toxic people. There's, I mean, it was just, there's some toxic things and, and we were not making the best decisions for ourselves across the board, across the board. And I made a really, I made a really bad decision and I cheated on Josh. And I think during the time, you know, we were, oh, we were really trying to figure out our relationship. Yeah, we were. We and were really trying to sort out where we were and, there were there were a lot. I mean, man, there was there was a lot going on, and there was a lot yeah. going on between us, and and we were struggling. Yeah, we were, and I made I made a really big mistake, and I looked for a lot of outs in it. We talked a lot about polyamory and open relationships and all this stuff, and it was it was bullshit excuses. And I I did something that I I can't take back and. There aren't many things in my life that I regret, and this is this is one of them. And you and I talked about it being important to talk about because I don't think people see a lot of relationships where cheating has been overcome. No, yeah, I don't think that's a very common thing that that is that is seen. And we're we're there, and we did. And um, as we said before, I wasn't innocent in this. Mm situation there's you know you don't know about that i mean there's always in that sort of scenario there's always that person is always looking for something that they're not getting maybe and i've i've reflected on this a lot like what was i looking for and i think in a lot of ways i was looking for anything to feel anything but the gravity of what we were experiencing during that time and it was a way of numbing in a lot of ways i mean it was it it was akin to the drinking that we were doing yes yeah it was an escape yeah and it was it was a it was a tough yeah it was a tough time but it also like it was a pretty major turning point for us it was a very major turning point for us um and when we came back together afterwards and and Really, and it. I'll say this: it wasn't a single instance that it, it had gone on. So, yeah. sure. And but when we came back together and talked about it, and and you know, you were you were open, you know, were open to talking about it and to healing it, and we moved through that together. I mean, there was there was a lot of pain, and for me, there was a decision to make on whether to forgive and and move past or not. And when you make the decision to move past it, that just needs to be the decision. And it can't continually come up, come up. Even if it comes up in your, in your brain, you can't continually use it as a, as ammunition in a, yeah. In, in the relationship. Right. Um, I mean, it, it would come up in my brain for a while and then it slowly faded away and then, you know, it doesn't merit anymore. 
I think there was a struggle too. And there's a conversation in here about forgiveness that I think is really important because one of the things that you've taught me in this life that I did not learn in childhood Mm. is about forgiveness and what it means to be forgiven. Um, and that you have always been incredible, whether it was in fights or whether it was in this incredibly painful situation that I perpetrated against you, that you would open up forgiveness, that we can move on, we can get past this fight, we can get past this hurt, we can get past this terrible thing that I had done. And I think one of the most difficult things in some ways is that you were able to forgive me and move on. And I struggled to forgive me. Yes, I think that to forgive was, myself. Yeah, that that you struggled to forgive yourself for longer than than I did. Yeah, I carried it. I carried it for us, and uh, and in some ways, that's not fair, right? Like, here's this thing that I had done, and I then continued to carry it after you had been willing to set it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, that's an important thing that you know in that situation. There is forgiveness that has to happen in both in both directions. Um, yeah. You know, if you are the person who is wrong, the other, and like I said, you know, there's always there's plenty of blame to go around. But you know, you taking the blame that you are responsible for, and also forgiving yourself for for whatever that is, it is really really important. Like yes, yeah. that's. As important as the other person forgiving you. And I think that's probably, I mean, like we said, it took you longer than it took me. Um, but I've always had, and you've commented on, on this oh, as well. That It's the most beautiful thing. It's your superpower. There's always do-overs. Like, yeah. okay, that didn't go the way you wanted it to or that, you know, like there, there's a... Why can't we have do overs? It's ridiculous to say that you can't have a do <laughs> Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Like, no, reel it back. Let's let's do it again. Yeah. Let's do it again. There's always there's always time to come back. There's always time to um to return and and do it again and try it again. You know, like there's a big, you know, if we have a big fight, we were gonna watch a movie or something and we, or we were gonna, you know do have dinner together or something, right? And and dinner got half cooked and there was a fight that happened and, you know, we come back later and it's two hours later and dinner's cold and, you know, oh, now we can't have dinner together. No, we have dinner at nine o'clock. doesn't matter. Like, like there, there is, there's always do-overs. There's always... Another chance. Another chance. Yeah. Which I think is a really important thing for, for both of you to... Yeah. I've had to learn this because in my upbringing and for me, there's never another chance. It's always ruined. Right. And that, and that's the word that I think really encompasses it in those moments is that, and it's often I've ruined it, right? Like my fight, whatever I've done, I've ruined the situation or it's ruined. It's over everything's. And you've taught me a lot about what it means for something not to be ruined and to have this opportunity for a second chance and to learn about forgiveness, not just, I mean, through your actions, to learn about forgiveness through your actions and to begin to learn how to apply it, which is, I'm still learning. We're all still learning, growing. Yeah. 
I think that's an important that's an important part of being in a relationship is learning and growing together. Yeah. It did turn things around though. I mean it, it really, really changed turn. our life. Yeah. We bought I mean, we quit drinking and Yeah. All of the things. On on a dime too. Yeah. I mean it was just like quit it, drinking, quit smoking, quit everything. everything. I think one of the things that you and I have talked about is that and I talked about this some on my episode with Tara Couture. Sometimes we have these opportunities in a relationship to go through really deep struggle and hardship. And I think that in a society that really favors being comfortable and doesn't want to do uncomfortable things, oftentimes these big moments of real relationship strife are a space where you can cut and run. Mm, yeah. And that feels like the easy choice is to cut and run. Yeah, it is the easy choice because you aren't forced, if you cut and run, you aren't forced to grow or learn something about yourself or change something about yourself or make yourself do the uncomfortable thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is the easy thing, but it means that you never grow together and really get depth in your relationship. And these are mornings and days and weeks sometimes that you have to make a conscious choice to choose one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've heard people talk about like they choose their partner each and every day. And I don't feel that sense of choice. I, it just feels like a delicious situation to be in every day that I wake up. Yeah. But there are these seasons or these moments in time where yeah. it becomes something that you have to choose and it's a hard choice and you have to go through a lot of struggle for it. And I think it's worth it. And obviously we're precluding, you know, this is for relatively healthy relationships. We're not talking about in instances of abuse or anything like that. No. Yeah. But growing and changing together is part of, it's part of being in a relationship. None of us are going to be the same person 10 years from now that yeah. We are now. We're not who would want that too. I don't want to be a static human. I want to be in this constant process of evolution. Yeah. And the amount of intimacy that you can forge in evolving together is unparalleled. Like this relationship that you can have with your spouse, with your partner, your husband, your wife, whatever that is can be the most spectacular container for growth, for love, mm-hmm. for evolving your person, for intimacy and play and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Any highs you want to cover? I feel like it's so funny. I was, I was thinking about highs. We've had so many highs in our relationship. And in some ways, these are like the highest highs are what we've built together and in talking about fights and some of these really hard moments, we're talking about what we've built. Mm -hmm. And I often tell people, and I mean it, that this relationship out of all the things I've, I've done and built in, you know, my life, I am most proud of this. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've built such a a wonderful partnership. Yeah. And so partnership. Yeah. You dive into some questions or do we have more to, yeah. Do you have anything else that's percolating in your brain? I see something you're scratching your beard. Like maybe something's there. Well, I was just, I mean, you're right. You know, one of the biggest highs is, is all of the, is the building Mm -hmm. things together. Um, and the 
creating. No, I think I'm... I'm... Okay. So I have a long format one that I want to talk about. And I think this is kind of fun. This is kind of revealing. Again, we we both knew this was coming um, because I think we're in it. We're kind of in the process of this. And yeah. so I think it's fun to talk about it, not from expert level, but from boots on the ground. And so this was... I wish I could spell it out for you. How to keep things spicy. <laughs> Caliente. <laughs> I want to keep things caliente. And I love this question because we've been together for 14 years and we've been exploring sex at a deeper level in the last year or so. And I think Mm -hmm. we're really preparing to go a little bit deeper even. Yeah. And, you know, this has been through and I'll, I'll, you know, this has been through a lot of hardship in our relationship. And it's also been through my chronic illness where my libido tanked because that is kind of the first thing to go when you're ill. It's not, it's not a necessary biological function. And so, yeah, it makes sense biologically. Yeah. And so one thing I want to say at the front of this, and I, we're going to do another podcast to this effect one of the best things you can do for your relationship is make sure to get both of your hormones checked and to have a full workup as a woman to have day threes done to potentially do a Dutch test, which is going to do an in-depth look at your estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, testosterone, other androgens, all of these things to get a better peek at what's going on at a physiological level. Super important for dudes to have their testosterone levels measured and to work to keep them up. And and this is something you actively, we actively consider is keeping really healthy hormones so that physiological part of sex is cared for. And it can be a, let me tell you from my perspective, it can be a years long journey. Uh, and so I do want to say that just because I'm saying this doesn't mean it's simple or easy. And so I think that's, that's actually really important to keeping things caliente. I would agree with that. I think play is, is a good part of that. It's, you know, it's a, an intro into physical touch. It's also a physical touch that isn't necessarily sexual. And, yes. Um, this is important. You should be experiencing... That's, that's important because every time you touch your partner, like you, your, your relationship with your partner shouldn't be such that every single time you physically touch them, it is sexual. Mm-hmm. It is, it, you know, it's with sexual intent or, or something like that, right? Because then, I mean, we all... Touch is, is one of the love languages, you know, and all of us need need all the love languages, but all of us need touch for you know for sure. And and if if anytime you touch your partner it, it is only in need rather than in or want. Or want, um, rather than in in you know, just enjoyment, then that can get I'm sure that can affect them in a way that in a negative way in terms of, you know, their response to your touch. Yeah. So the play aspect of things and and that, you know, physical play um, is a good way of ensuring that that's um, that, you know, you connect in a way that, that is physical, but Mm -hmm. is also not sexual. And then, you know, it it can lead to to sex if, if that's, 
where you guys are at. But yeah, I think that's a, I think that's an important. I do too. Something that I've been thinking about is ongoing learning education. And this is something that I don't feel like is talked about enough. Sex feels like something that you, you learn how to do on the fly when you're a teenager, uh, for most of us. And you maybe gain some skills or knowledge over years of experience, but we don't actually go back into learning more about new aspects of sex and sexuality and ways of being together. And you and I, the last year or so have been diving into some polarity, some polarity and sacred union work and, and getting a little bit into like some of the tantric side of things. And I think that this is like, you can continue your education on how to do this. And so you, we follow the work of, we really like John Wineland. Um, There's a woman named Madeline Moon and John Wineland just wrote a book though. He's been on lots of podcasts, many of which we've listened to and you're reading the book now and I'm reading Madeline Moon's book. And there, there it's both about finding this polarity that really creates some more of that sexual tension. And Mm -hmm. and this is something we're learning together. Right. And, and, but I was thinking about this and we don't really talk about continuing to To learn, to learn. Yeah. No. And I mean, there are jobs of resources out there. Yeah. Podcasts. Um, the book come as you are, I cannot remember the name of the author is incredible. I think for both women and men, on just on just kind of exploring some of the really foundational things that might be posing blocks in your sexual relationship. Sure. Um, and it's just a really great manual for that really beautiful journey of acceptance and a good place to start, I think. And so one thing that I was gonna say was learning. And and I think that in itself creates some novelty. And novelty can be what's hard to generate in a long-term partnership. Sure. And also there's, there's an aspect of like not taking it too seriously. Yes. Right. Because sometimes you try something and it don't work (laughs) (laughs) for whatever, you know, like just somebody like whatever, for whatever reason, it doesn't work and it doesn't have to have a reason. It it could also just like not work. And being able to laugh about it, laugh it off, you know, move on, mm-hmm. whether you stop and, you know, try again later or, or you keep going in a different way or, or whatever, like it doesn't have to be serious. Have to be, yeah. It doesn't have to be serious and everything doesn't have to be successful. Yeah. The success is in trying and connecting with your partner and mm. doing something together. I really like that. That is success. The metric of success is connection. It's nothing else. Nothing else. I really like that. I think, how have you found John Weinland's work and like what, I notice you bring it in sometimes. I I try to, you know, I'm trying to, to bring it in sometimes and trying to, you know, learn. It's very different from anything that I 
have experienced before or have, you know, thought of before, I guess. And it's more, let me be clear. Like this is like emotional work of you, you finding a grounded space of breath and Uh depth and awareness. This isn't, this isn't like a sexual paradigm. It's more just a way of being and and drawing me in Mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. Yeah. But more for yourself than anything. Yes. And it's more creating a, a situation for yourself that is attractive to that, that is, is connected into and attractive to the other, to your partner, but also connected into and like really recognizing what they need and being clued in to what they need and, and then working to provide that mm-hmm. um, and help provide that and taking responsibility for your part in providing that in a relationship. I actually really also appreciate John Weinland's work for cultivating my own healthy masculine and balance sure. within that. And especially as I go into a more workspace where a lot of that masculine comes up and overrides some of that softness and playfulness and intuitiveness because I need structure and containers for running a, all these businesses. And, and so building a healthy masculine is helpful, I think, for women to make a better transition into softening into feminine and more surrender. And I think that that's something for me that I enjoy, right? Is a surrendering like this weekend, you're taking us on a trip and you just planned everything. And as some bit of a type A control freak, I really enjoy that idea of surrender. Yeah. Being able to just, just not. Yeah. I don't know if that, I think that helps things keep things caliente because the, the Because then I'm in more of a mental space to let go. And I find that one of the biggest hurdles for me sexually is getting out of my head. Sure. That I spend a lot of time in my brain and it is more difficult for me to get into my body and into the experience of sex. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, bringing it back to, I mean, like... Learning. Learning. And being interested in learning about new things, new things, and about your partner, and about exploration and exploring something, and it doesn't have to be the the traditionals or you know not traditional or non traditional like whatever. It doesn't have to be anything in particular. No, it doesn't have to be in the world of kink. It can be, but it doesn't sure. need to be. Right. Sometimes it can just be about deepening your connection mm-hmm. and about think even just better articulating your needs, like learning new language for articulating your needs, making sure that you know what it is that you need. And you said, I really liked this the other day, the deck of cards. Oh yeah. Will you share that? Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about keeping things interesting and, you know, I kind of thought of it in, in terms of whether it's, you know, a deck of standard cards or like a, you know, Magic the Gathering kind of, you know, kind of situation where you have... <laughs> I can't look at you. Let's keep it at a 52-card deck. Let's, like, just three clubs. But, you know, you, you really, like... You're used to playing these certain cards, right? And those cards get really... Like, well, and they're brand new. When you first meet, right? When you first meet, you that deck is card. slick and new, and everything is exciting because yeah. it's never been. It's ne- that card has never been touched, never been pulled. And then you're you like 
play cards and some of them you win on and some of them you don't win on and the ones you win on you're like well i want on this so i'm gonna play it again and then you you know start like you, you get into this rut of playing the same cards and those cards are dog-eared and you like know which cards to play right yeah you know exactly which buttons to push yeah, on buttons your partner to like, bing, 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 reach bing, an bing, end goal of orgasm right yeah but you're neglecting all the rest of the cards in the deck and if you just shuffle your deck a little bit and start pulling up new cards, they might, you know, you need to explore a new, you know, like, Hey, maybe the ace of hearts. Works. Yeah. Right? Like, like, I don't know, like we haven't played with this, but maybe it elicits a different response that is fantastic in a different way. Maybe it's, you know, but it's, it's, you, you get, or you get new or you shuffle another deck in and all of a sudden you've got, you know, new, New which things is part of learning. You, yeah, which is part of learning. Like you, you know, shuffle in some new things that you, you know, you don't want to play with the same hand every time, right? You want to expand your your ability to play, and and it. I really liked this because I think it's really easy to just fall into that rut, and I think I also want to tease out of here that it's really nice when you can sort of flip the paradigm and say maybe orgasm isn't the end goal. Yeah. Maybe the end goal is connection or slowness or whatever that is. It doesn't have to be, I don't know. And I think sometimes as adults, we can get into situations where we're chasing the dragon with orgasms and missing the journey. Yeah. And I actually think one of the ways to keep it spicy is to get into the journey and just forget about the destination. Yeah. I also would like to point out that the destination isn't always penetrative sex. Yes. This is really important. This is really, it's really important that everything doesn't have to always end in penetrative sex. It doesn't always have to begin in like like penetrative sex. Doesn't doesn't, have to be on the table. Doesn't have to be on the table. And I think we learned a lot about this because I, I'm not on birth control and we yeah. do we do the fertility awareness method. And so there are times during the month when penetrative sex is off the table. Yeah. And I actually think that that provides us with a space to explore more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And try different things and different ways to enjoy each other, which just runs when, I mean, you know, then it just adds more cards into your deck and then you have more things to, to play when you're, yeah. when you sit down at the table. Yeah. I'll give a real, I'll give one real world example. Um, we changed some pacing recently and tried doing things much, much slower. Like yeah. we, we just like ratcheted it way down. And I was surprised at how much just that dial, like just, just playing with the dial of speed and pacing could change an entire dynamic and change my body's response to something. Sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have we, have we covered um, how to keep things Kelly and day? Yeah. Okay. I think we're kind of into like some faster rounds. We'll see. Um, We'll just kind of, we'll, we'll kind of speed around on some stuff. There are so many things. Do you, you had so many questions. So many questions. Do you believe in soulmates? My like off the cuff is no. Um, My off the cuff is you, if you search for and find things to enjoy about your partner and throughout your relationship, 
man, I mean, there's like, it's like being, enjoying their interest in something, mm-hmm. right? And you taking enjoyment out of their enjoyment of something is a huge part of keeping, of, of, of you know, continuing a relationship because... Can you give our biggest example on this? Our, busy, our biggest example. And so I, we I, love... I've told, I've gotten, I've talked to several men about this that... You know, one of our favorite things to do, one of our favorite dates is um, to go to the ballet. We had season tickets in Denver for years. And I've told, you know, I've I've had this conversation with with several men before um, where, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, we go to the ballet. And they're like, I don't don't want to go to the ballet. And I'm like, dude, if you can't go to the ballet and sit next to your wife and enjoy her enjoying the ballet, there's something wrong. Just go and enjoy her enjoying it. Enjoy the fact that she loves it. That's like, that's enough. Number one. But number two, like pull your head out of your ass and go enjoy the ballet. Cause it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm like, it's, uh, you want to talk about athletes, you want to talk about, you know, art, like artistry and all of the things. Right. But if nothing else, just enjoy your wife enjoying Um, and, and you've converted, <laughs> some guys. Yeah, I've converted some, you've converted like five guys. Yeah. To, Taking their wives to ballet on a regular basis. Yeah, that's our favorite date. Okay, what did that have to do with soulmates? Enjoying someone else enjoying something, hmm. right? And and that's also part of of keeping things interesting between you and and enjoying and continuing a relationship is is you know as someone has new interests or or you know you taking interest in their interests. But I think all relationships have ups and downs and have highs and lows. And, you know, if you're just expecting what a soulmate kind of, you know, envisions in my mind is somebody, you know, somebody expecting that, you know, like they, they find their person, mm. nothing ever goes wrong again. That's right? funny. Yeah. That's not my idea of it, but I like that. Fire away. So, so how about you? Do you believe soulmates? I don't. And, but first I think a soulmate just is somebody that you are meant. It, it just, clicks not that you never struggle but there's just an instant connection and within that i had that with you i walked out i saw you for the first time i knew we were we were going to be together that that was it and i was absolutely done at that moment in time and so i think within that context like you are my soulmate but i do think that maybe there's not one soulmate for sure. us here okay right? That there's not just one person. And I actually think that this is something that I see. I'm so glad I don't have to date in today's today's (laughs) dating atmosphere. But I, I think there's a line from the original Miracle on 34th Street where the... I don't remember what her name is. The the great older woman in it says, you know, it just used to be that you you meet someone, you get a feeling, you get together, you get married, have a couple of kids, and, and that's it. And now there's all of this sort of complex overthinking it. And sometimes I think that's true and, and that you can just meet someone and get a feeling. And obviously, you know, it took us a long time to get married. I don't know if we were overthinking it or just dilly-dallying. So I kind of think that there are soulmates, but I don't think it's chalked up to just one person, that you have multiple soulmates that can, can work for you. Sure. I mean, I think you're, you know, your souls can grow together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, maybe you had a, a soulmate in high school that if you met them now, you'd be like, oh, no. Right. Which hmm. 
like that's kind of an interesting aspect of it. Like growing out of less, growing, like there's lessons that you learn with other people and you need to learn. And that's kind of a soulmate. Sure. Uh, you know, but I think it's more that, that, you know, like choosing to grow together and, and build something together and really, you know, enjoying and, and being together in that is where, where it's at. It's not like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I love it. Okay. I'm moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you know if someone is truly someone you can spend your whole life with? You don't. You don't. You don't. You can't. But you can you can choose them, you know, in the way that we've talked about in this podcast. Yeah. How do you still have so much to talk about? Oh, that's I mean I was thinking about this because I this one I, I had a I had a pre no, yeah. pre knowledge of, right? Because we talk about anything and everything and we have for a decade yes anything right? and everything so we've built a foundation of being able to talk about a vast variety of things yes and we talk about everything and we talk about nothing yeah this was something i thought about within this context and so this came up because we recently drove to new york city which is about four hours one way spent the whole day you know so we spent but then we took the long way home. So we spent yeah. like 10 hours in the car together, plus four hours on the ground. And I was going to put on a podcast so that I could prep some of my future guests. And instead, all we wanted to do was talk. It was just chat. Chat. And we talked a lot about nothing. Yeah. We talked about nothing. We talked about politics. We talked about religion. We talked about... just nothings. And then we yeah. talked about some something, some heavier stuff yeah. that was up in our lives. And yeah. I do think that cultivating interests together is a part of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are both interested in learning about farming and learning about keeping it caliente. We're both interested in cooking and regenerative things and sustainable living, you know, nutrition that we just never... And we share all of that with one another. Like when somebody gets into a new little interest, we talk. You know, we we talk we tell about the it. other one about it, and, and the and the other one, you know, with an open heart and an open mind, yeah, accepts this new interest and and wants to learn about it. You know, and expresses interest, even yeah. if you're not. Yeah, and pretty soon you are. Like you'll just find that you are. Yeah. yeah, and I think that this is a really beautiful way to to run a relationship. We also both like to loosely follow politics, but also more philosophy behind mm -hmm. them yeah. um, and really talk about that. And so that provides pretty endless fodder and more philosophy. Like it's more, more philosophy of political yeah. systems yeah. Uh, than it is. We, and we don't share this because <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Thoughts on compromise, foundational to a good relationship, or no one is happy. We talked about this one and decided we don't compromise that much, which is really interesting. Like we usually just find a shared space. It's not, mm -hmm. a, it never feels like compromise. Yeah. Though it does happen occasionally and it happens more with work stuff yeah. than it does with personal stuff. It definitely happens more with work stuff. You know, and I think we've just built a, a life and relationship where you know, we're very aligned and in, in how we think about things. And so that being said, I mean, we know people who are in relationship and, you know, maybe one wants 
one thing and one wants another, right? Like it's not perfectly aligned in, in, in their thinking on things. And, you know, and that I think that there is conversation. There is really like, that's where you and I's ability to talk about anything and everything is, is comes really, in handy. comes in handy. Yeah. It's really strong. Right. I think also what are your shared future goals? I yeah. think a lot of compromise maybe neglects to look at what the bigger picture is. And so when you can zoom out and see that bigger picture, oftentimes you'll find that it's not so much as a compromise as an alignment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How much time do you spend together alone? A lot of time together. Some time alone. Some time alone. Yeah. Yeah. Both. A bit more alone time now that you have podcast stuff that you are like really like yeah. to do prep for and, and things like that. So that, yeah. you know, it's a bit more alone time, but and we have, we both have some alone time every day, but also have a lot of together time. Yeah. And we like a lot of together time and we're actually quick to, to need that. We used to remark when we were working in the butcher shop together that we would be together all day. And at the end of the day, it would be like, Oh, I feel like I haven't seen you all day. Yeah, and, so. and so I think it's important when you're looking at together time, like is that together time where you're both in focus in work, whether you're farming or you're sitting next to each other at a desk doing computer work, that is not together time. Being in the same room isn't together time. Yes. Together time is where you are doing, doing one thing, Together, whether that's eating dinner, watching a TV show, you know, going for a hike, together, going for a hike, curling up together, reading books, you know, working, like, but even working the horses, like, kind of slips into not necessarily together time. No, because you got to be pretty focused on your horse, and yeah, you know, yeah. So, yeah, and you have to. We work to cultivate together time. Yeah, focused. Do you want children? Yes, I, I <laughs> probably you know, most likely. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's. I waffle. I'm on the fence, guys. I'm waffling. I actually just had this conversation a little bit in the podcast that's coming out this Tuesday. I don't know when we'll release this, but with Molly Haviland. And I feel like I don't hear enough behind closed doors conversations about couples that are thinking about having children. Mm. And I'm always curious what that looks like. Because for me, it's a very intellectual decision. I honestly wish my body would just make that decision for me. And this is something we're actively talking about and exploring and have gotten closer and then had it pull away a little bit. I think we were closer a year ago and now we're kind of, we both actually, I think, want another year. Yeah, both want, want another year. But we've kicked this can down the road for a really long time and I am at 33 going to start running out of road. So we we're going to have to make some decisions. Yeah. This is a complex one for me and I'm I'm really I really do waffle back and forth on what I want on it. What are our love languages? I don't remember what all of them are, but we talked about this <laughs> earlier. Let's tell let's tell them what our real love languages are. Okay, our real love languages. Mine are head and back scratches and boobs. And mine are clean countertops and I mean, just a clean house in general Mm -hmm. and chatting. Yes. (laughs) Those are our love languages. (laughs) Why get married after 12 years? Why not? 
Why not? Yeah. I think my, my views on marriage have really shifted over the years. There were a lot of years where I didn't want to feel corralled or anything like that. We both have some misgivings that we don't need the government to issue us a piece of paper to uh, oh, certify sure. anything and not yeah, wanting sure. to play into that. But I think that it felt really right. We got married two years ago on October 31st on a blue supermoon, mm-hmm. the first of its kind in 75 years, wild amount yeah. of time. And we knew that that was, that was our moment. Yeah. And I, we kind of threw it together in, in inside of a month. It yeah. was a wild ride. Yeah, it was. Because it, was it felt right. Yeah. It felt right. How did you learn to communicate effectively? I think we've, we've covered that extensively. Well. Yeah. yeah. How do you navigate the desire for security versus eroticism? Hmm. I think in some ways we've covered this too. And I think that it's really important to note that as humans, we have both. We have a desire to be held and to cuddle in on the couch and to be seen and play Mm -hmm. and a desire for sex. And I think you just have to cultivate spaces for both of those things to unfold. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just have to... What is it that inspires you both to work toward things together instead of battling each other? Oh, man. I mean, it's isn't it so much easier to work toward something together? <laughs> I don't right? talk about it. Like, yeah. It's like, I don't really feel that I need motivation to do that. I mean, my, my motivation is that, you know, I want to build something together and I want to build a life together and I want to yeah. enjoy my enjoy our relationship and you know our shared goals our shared yeah. values yeah there's so much that we're working together towards so much for you and I mm-hmm. and i think if there's not find some things you're working together towards yeah like find, find the some that you that that are in alignment for you that you yeah that you feel aligned on yeah yeah i agree um how to get through the first year with grace. First year of what? I feel oh, many years in. Yeah. Um, of marriage? Uh, I don't know. It We've just felt like an extension of, you know, yeah. of our life together. And I but think... First year of, of relationship, it, you know, with, with grace. Uh, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways, I think getting through your first year of your relationship is just getting through it there isn't necessarily a lot of, of grace. Yeah. All those like cards are fresh same with, you know, <laughs> business with, you know, anything like you just, you just get, get through it, just get through it. Like it, there isn't a lot of grace. Yeah. Analyze it and kind of figure it out and begin to refine later. But yeah. some of that is just a lot of these experiences in life, whether it's starting a business, starting a relationship, you are just jumping off the cliff, building a parachute on the way down. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that sums it up. What's a shared struggle we feel we've overcome and how I think we covered. Yeah. We covered covered that (laughs) always been monogamous. I think we, I think we covered that thoughts on open relationships and marriages. I thought about this one a little bit. I think that, you know, there's some biological imperative as homo sapiens and the book sex at dawn covers this. I haven't read the whole thing. I've listened to some interviews with him where we're not really monogamous creatures necessarily. But I think what's beautiful about humans is that we can choose that. Mm -hmm. 
And this is a choice that you and I have made and that I think we both feel very happy and secure in. Yeah. I mean, you know, my initial thought was that you have to figure out what it is that you're looking for in, in like, why is that coming up? Right. What are you missing? What, yeah. What aren't you, what isn't being fulfilled in your body, mind, spirit, soul? Yeah. Whatever. What, what are you, what are you missing? Because I'm not saying that one person can give you or should give you everything that you need, but from a relationship standpoint, you know, if you need companionship, you know, if you need friendship with members of, of the same sex, you know, like, like me, if I need male friends or you need female friends, like that's, you know, does that include sexuality? Like, I don't know, but really figure out what it is, why it is that you are looking for, for something else, why it is that you need something else. And then really like explore whether that's something that you can talk with your partner about and, and have with them or not. Because I think, Jealousy, whether we say that we're jealous or not, whether, you know, like those things, especially over the long term, can compound. Can compound. And and I know that people do it and do it successfully. Yes. You and I have identified that that's not something that we are really, we really enjoy our monogamy. Yeah. And I think to each their own within that, but um, definitely something you need to consider. This actually brought up something I love about John Wineland describing taboos, sexual taboos mm-hmm. as desired nutrients that when you strip away yeah. all of the the sort of theatrics of whatever that sexual taboo is, there's usually a nutrient in there. You're looking for power. You're looking for surrender. You're looking for whatever it is. And I'm not saying that open relationships are necessarily taboo, but I would be curious to ask, you know, anybody who's embarking on that and to look at it as a couple, like what is the desired nutrient within that? Yeah. Have you ever had times when you felt out of sync and ran out of things to talk about? No. No. (laughs) Sorry. Nope. Um, What do you bring to each other? I think Josh brings just an incredible amount of peace and groundedness and depth And I mean, he is, he's like a grounding rod and for, I mean, for people, for animals, for children, everyone flocks to him to almost have their nervous systems regulated. He's just this sort of calm and really beautiful presence. And he brings that to the relationship, but he also brings, and we've touched on so many of them, forgiveness, just the most amazing sense of playfulness and silliness uh and fun kate brings brightness and youth Mm. and joy kind of a a wide-eyed wonder at Mm. at things because of just how how much you love learning and how much you explore um learning and and you know just with this kind of open-eyed awe at, at everything and you just want to drink it all in and a sweetness and a thoughtfulness tenderness thank you yeah this reminded me of one play thing we missed oh yeah What's that? 
Uh, stealth licking tournaments. <laughs> yes. So one of Kate's love languages is licking. Yes. No, licking no, means love. Yes. Not licking. Sexual non-sexual it's licking. Like, it's like, you know, like the tip of your nose um, or your cheek or something like that. And not too long ago, actually, I made the decision that I was going to participate in licking means love. And so, um, so I, all right. So, you know, we're going to, uh, I will participate in this. And, and I think I started the stealth licking, yes. which is, um, I lick the tip of Kate's nose when she doesn't expect it. So we can be like having a conversation and all of a sudden I'll just like lick the tip of her nose. And, yes. Um, Very playful, really takes yeah. you out of the moment in a great <laughs> way. And we've also discovered that I am extremely accurate in my um, stealth licking of the tip. Accurate and precise. Yeah. Accurate, precise. I am not. not. <laughs> also, Josh is always wearing a ball cap, and this um, makes the tip of his nose less accessible. Yes. And I didn't believe her when she told me that, but then, you know, she was like, no, you need to, you know, like squat down to where you're lower than me, and here I'm going to put a ball cap on and then try to lick my nose. And, um, and it, it was much more difficult. Yeah. So I'm working on a handicap, but we're working towards a stealth licking tournament. Yes. We've decided that she, she gets a handicap, but every one of her successful stealth licks, she gets credit for two or something like that. It was like one and a quarter. You said it should be more, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to over handicap myself. <laughs> These are the kind of dumb things that you can do that actually bring like a lot of joy to yeah, your relationship. Absolutely. How do you think men should support their women and vice versa? I mean, I just think that you should support one another. You should support one another's dreams and their desires yeah i mean i think uh, you know i tend to lean a more a bit more traditionalist in in this sort of thing and and you know that men should be a steady grounding yeah solid um, i do too lean traditional here presence and and you know someone that your wife can lean on and and be a container for you know some of her emotions and and you know her to be a strong presence for her to, you know, kind of melt into and, and allow herself to feel cared for and, and comforted. Provider, being a provider. And I, I don't just mean in the sort of Western metrics of it, but I think that there's a really beautiful quote that I've said on the podcast before from the fourth turning about how men are generous in their providership. And that doesn't always look like money, but I think that that's something. And I think as a woman in a more traditional sense, and sometimes we really do, you and I tend to divide a little bit into traditional roles and non-traditional roles, both, but I really like providing a home Yeah, to have a, to be the woman of hearth and home and to keep that clean and tidy and beautiful and to be a space of fun and brightness and excitement to see you. That's something that when you walk in the door, I like to be really excited to see you <laughs> Yeah, and really a sense of giving of comfort and physical affection. Yeah. Yeah. There's some ways we end up pretty traditional in that, in that realm. Yeah. How do we shift from a sexually insatiable culture to one that seeks traditional partnership? Speaking of traditional, I think 
sexually insatiable is in question here. I don't know if that's what ails our culture deeply. I think I think we're sexually insatiable in a way that oftentimes we're not looking for connection in that. Mm-hmm. Or we're looking for distraction. And I think that there is something to shifting into looking for connection in our sexual encounters. Yeah. Whether they're with ourselves or others. And shifting away from that, you know, in terms of... I think I think you really kind of hit on it with the distraction. Like, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think we're very distracted, not just sexually, but... In, 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 in all ways. ways. That is the the true issue here is that, you know, we're constantly seeking distraction. We're constantly seeking to have our minds and everything, our eyes, our bodies, our bodies occupied. Right. Um, I think probably one of the first aspects of, of this is, is really moving into and, and being still Mm. quiet not stimulated. I think that and experiencing that, you know, in some way, shape or form, however you can is kind of the step, the first step. to that. Yeah. I would add in terms of partnership. And I, I think of this as just to having good partnership, to have reverence and love and openness and curiosity about the other person. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to, and I really actually want to emphasize curiosity. I think so much of what we've said here, like stay curious about your partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there things you thought would be red flags or boundaries that just didn't matter or could be worked with when you fell in love? Should we let some of these go? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. I can't think of any off the top of my head. You thought my age was a boundary? Yeah, until I found your parents were 25. Um, yes. I think that we are always going to be creatures that look for the wrong, the red flags, the bad. Yeah. And there are definitely some red flags there that are not negotiable. Flags, Please yeah. don't let us I'm discourage sad. you from that. But like, what are the green flags? Yeah. What's saying go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So balance those. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people say they feel peace when they meet the right person. What was it for us? Total deep knowing. It was peace too. Josh is a very peace giving person. <laughs> You're laughing. What are you gonna say? Uh, I was, I was, you know, off the cuff. Going, well, you know, you were pretty chaos. <laughs> it's probably uh, true. You know, so I don't know. There's, I mean, there's both peace and chaos in, in being in a relationship. You didn't feel instant peace upon meeting me, like that exact moment? No. <laughs> no. No. How personal development impacts your ability to choose your partner and the vitality of being healthy as an individual in partnership? I think that our whole talk was kind of about that. Yeah. I think that we really covered that. Mm-hmm. And I think personal development must continue. This yes, is really absolutely. important. You, so much of what we've been talking about is that personal development individually and together mm-hmm. must continue. That some of what we're doing to keep things caliente yeah. are, are um, about developing together and 
kind of going in our own little corners and learning. And then there's other work. I've had to do a lot of trauma work to bring the best version of myself to our relationship. And you've had to inform yourself about some... Yes. some trauma things to to bring the best to our relationship. So I think we're we're constantly doing evolution work and don't forget to pause and just enjoy, and just enjoy. the just other person. Enjoy the other person just Gosh, I don't think fun. that can be stressed enough. You can't only work you got to have some fun together too. Yeah. And I think that was the entire thought behind this podcast was how can we help people better understand fun through our lens and perspective, which maybe sounded crazy. I don't know. I don't know. And to give you a real peek in our relationship, I mean, I think we came both pretty ready to bear it all. Yeah. We bared a lot. What do you think? I think so. Two-year anniversary podcast? Two-year anniversary podcast. That was fun. Yeah? Yearly anniversary podcast. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I actually like this real relationship talk. I, I don't too. I don't think this will be the last no. one of these that we do. So no. if you have questions, I'm sure this will come back around. If you're interested in us diving into a, a specific topic yeah. for you know a longer form discussion of a, of a certain topic, I'm yeah. sure we'd be... Sure we'd be open to, that. open to that. I think this is... I told Tara from Slow Down Farmstead the other day that I'm a real fangirl of marriage, of partnership, of love, and... I'm really a fan of the reality of it. Not, and and I said this, I don't want a shiny polished version, like give me something with some patina on it, but I want to know how it got there. And maybe we often don't have these examples where we can dive into this. And I think that creates a sense of isolation and isolation when you are, whether you're thriving or struggling, you know, in marriage, like it's just good to be in connection, to have some sense of community, to have a little peek behind closed doors when so often we just see the sort of frosting of a relationship and you want the, you want to see the, the inner workings. You want to yeah. see the foundation and the cake that's underneath it. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope you enjoyed this. We do. I, I enjoyed it. I had a, a I had a great time. I had a blast. I, it was some good time. Okay. Right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Groundwork Podcast. If what you heard today resonated with you, may I ask that you share it with your friends or leave us a review? This helps others find Groundwork. If you're looking for more, you can find us at GroundworkCollective.com and at Groundwork Collective on Instagram. I would like to give a very special thank you to China and Seth Kent of the band All Right, All Right for clips from the beautiful song Over the Edge from their album, The Crucible. You can find them at All Right, All Right on Instagram and wherever you listen to music.